We are hearing a ton of talk these days on inflation, and I believe that inflationary pressures are in fact real. What we're not hearing a lot about, which is actually a bigger threat than inflation, is what's called stagflation. You may have never heard of that. If you haven't, stick around. We're going to talk about that in today's video. Although not everyone has heard of stagflation, it's something that we all need to be aware of. Inflation, at least runaway inflation, isn't good for the economy. Stagflation is even worse. And we see ourselves moving in that direction right now. Amongst all the voices out there, one that I follow is a man by the name of Mohammed Al-Aryan. He's the former CEO of PIMCO, and he's currently an advisor to Allianz, which is the parent company of PIMCO. He has very recently stated that, in his opinion, stagflation is the biggest worry out there. So, Joe, our biggest worry, which hasn't yet materialized, and I don't want it to materialize, no one invested in this market would want it to materialize, is stagflation, that you get lower growth and higher inflation at the same time. That is our biggest worry out there, and we don't want that worry to, to start being a big concern, let alone materialize, because then we have nowhere to hide. In this video today, we're gonna to look at what is stagflation. We're gonna look at why it's bad. We're gonna have a brief look back at the history of the last time we saw this in any real force. We're gonna look for what signs you need to watch for. Of those signs, where are we today? And then we're gonna look at some, I would say, investment strategies that you can use to help navigate to make sure that if we do get to a stagflationary environment, your, your portfolio is going to be positioned properly. If this is the type of video that you like watching, I really would appreciate a thumbs up on it. Um, also, uh, first link down below is more information on our investing academy, which I'll speak more of later in the video. But if that's something that interests you, you can check that out after you've watched the video here. Let's start off at the beginning. What is stagflation? Stagflation is a combination, as you might have imagined, of a couple of different words. A stagnant economy, so a slowly growing or stagnant economy combined with inflation. So stagnant economy, inflation, you get the word stagflation. In addition to these two factors, you'll often uh, see or hear uh, high unemployment being worked into the discussion uh, as well. Why this is so important is that it's very unusual that you have all of these conditions coming together at the same time. And the tools that the governments, the central banks around the world use to fight uh, inflation or to spur on the economy are really in conflict with each other here. Normally, when you have a weak economy, you don't have inflation. It just doesn't make sense because in a weak economy, demand is low, prices tend to be flat or coming down. We're seeing the exact opposite of that now. The reason that this is such a challenge to the central banks around the world and the governments is that the tools that you normally use to either spur the economy on or to fight inflation, which are kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum, they just don't work right now. Normally in a weak economy, you don't see inflation. Quite often you see it the other way around. To make matters potentially worse, at least here in Canada, there's all kinds of talk about tax increases to you know, basically repay, to come up with money to repay for all the COVID measures that have been taking. Well, that's not gonna be good for the economy either. If the economy is strong, and you'll have a lot of people today say, there's nothing wrong with the economy, my question would be, why are interest rates so low? And why have the central banks essentially um, stated that they're not expecting to raise central uh, the uh, overnight rates up until probably 2023. Although I am hearing a lot of discussion that that time frame will be moved forward. If inflation continues at the rate it is, 
we're going to have to see some countermeasures there. Typically, that's raising interest rates, which slows the economy, and that's exactly what we don't need during times like these. So why is stagflation so bad? Well, when you have periods of high unemployment, you're going to have a decrease in consumer spending. Also, when you have high inflation, the value of your dollar, your purchasing power decreases every year. If you have a dollar to spend and inflation's 2%, well, next year that dollar will only buy you 98%. That's kind of normal. We look at around a 2% range for a controlled and healthy inflationary environment. However, when we see inflation creeping up four, five, six, or even higher, the dollar becomes worth you know, 96 cents or 95 cents or 94 in the coming years. The end result typically of this type of an environment is people have less money to spend in their pockets and that money that they do have left to spend is worth less uh, you know, each year as inflation creeps up. Let's look at a brief history of stagflation here just to give us some context. The term was first coined in 1965 in the U.S. Uh, government. There was a politician named Ian McLeod and at the time he said we now have the worst of both worlds, not just inflation on the one side or stagnation on the other, but both of them together. We have a sort of stagflation situation and history in modern terms is indeed being made. These were prophetic words. In the 1970s, around 73 to 75, the US went into a deep recession. It was spurred on in one of these stagflation type environments. Let's, let's look at some of the conditions that were in place then. And later in the video, we're going to compare those to where we are today. Inflation, let's start with that. As you can see from this chart, starting in 1972 and increasing up and through the right through the 70s, there was a dramatic rise in inflation. Remember, inflation is one of the uh, metrics that we have to look for in a stagflationary environment. Second, unemployment. Looking back to the 70s again, as is typical, once a recession takes hold, you're going to see unemployment numbers increasing. We saw that from 1973, 74, all the way through to 75, where there was a uh, significant increase in the unemployment rate. The third factor in this calculation is GDP. Again, looking back to the 70s, the U.S. saw at one point five consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. 1970 was a weak year. We saw growth, growth, growth through to 73. And then you can see at that point, the economy essentially collapsed uh, up until the recovery in about 1976. This gives us a pretty clear example, a real life example back in the 70s of these stagflation, uh, or I would say stagflationary environment where we have high inflation, high unemployment, and low GDP growth. So those are the major factors that we have to consider when we're asking the question, are we headed in that direction now? An interesting index or measurement that came out of the 1970s recession, I believe it came out of the recession uh, in the, in the uh, mid-70s, is what's called the misery index. And it's a very simple mathematical calculation. And all it does is it takes the, it's, it's a sum of the inflation rate and unemployment rate. If we look at that in 2021, we're at about 11.3. So the misery index is about 11.3. The lowest it has ever been is 2.97. So let's call that three back in 1953. It has been as high as 22 or 21.98 to be specific in 1980. When we look at this measurement today, the biggest threat I would say is inflation. We are, you know, we've, we saw obviously unemployment spike, but it has come down as we've been recovering from the COVID pandemic. However, inflation, we're seeing those pressures for the most part continuing to tick up. So if we see, let's just call uh, 12 where we are today, even if we see a three or four point uh, increase in the inflation, uh, in inflation rate, 
that's going to take us closer and closer to the higher end of the historic band for this misery index. Is it scientific? Uh, it's a very simple calculation. Does it mean we're definitely going to see this environment? Of course not. It doesn't do that. It'll move up and down as time goes by. But it is one thing that's an easy metric to, to keep an eye on and see if, uh, if we're headed in that direction. Where are we today? Let's look at the current conditions, compare them, and see if this is something that we need to be uh, to be worried about. Let's look first at inflation. Well, inflation is high by comparative standards, and it is growing. If we look first of all at the consumer price indices for both Canada and United States, we see Canada in red, the US in blue on this chart, and it shows a definite uh, spike up, I would say. Now we're coming out of the COVID environment, so we're going to see some inflationary pressures, I would think. The question is, are these temporary? And you'll hear a lot of people saying that. Or are these a more permanent issue? Are they going to be sustained as we go through time? That could cause more of an issue. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. The next number we're going to look at is the producer price index. So this is essentially like the CPI, but for producers. So this is the, the cost of goods and services that are being supplied in the economy. Again, you see a, you see a very sharp increase in recent times, uh, again, coming out of this time last year with a, a high PPI. Lastly, on the inflationary picture or puzzle we're going to look at today is the money supply. The more money that is printed in the economy, that, it, that in, uh, in and of itself has inflationary pressures. And you'll see both in Canada and in the U.S. If we're just looking here at the M1 money supplies, we're seeing uh, a, an increase in both of those areas there. Something to be concerned of it. I think, as I mentioned, I think inflation is the bigger worry right now. And uh, these are some in indicators that would suggest that maybe that is you know, what we're going to see. From an unemployment perspective, we are still high in our unemployment numbers. Obviously, when COVID hit last year, the floor dropped out in the numbers and we saw a huge spike in unemployment that has steadily been, been coming down. But more recently, it has uh, leveled off to some degree. And the question is, are we going to be getting back to where we were? We all know right now that it's very difficult to find. A lot of industries have a very difficult time finding workers. That is so unusual because with a high unemployment rate, you'd expect that there would be plenty of uh, of workers available. That's normally what you see in a, in a situation like this. However, again, we're seeing the opposite of that right now. So the question will be, when does this employment situation get back to some form of normalcy? If unemployment stays high and inflation stays high, these are two of the key factors that we're looking at that stagflation puzzle. The third one we're going to look at is GDP. This one is a little murkier, like unemployment spiking. When COVID hit in 2020, we saw the GDP fall through the bottom as well. We saw a huge decline in GDP production. 
we saw a strong recovery latter part of, of 2020. Now we're seeing a more leveling off now. The numbers have corrected somewhat, still high uh, from a GDP growth compared to what we were used to seeing in the previous quarters. However, the question now uh, becomes, is this something that we're seeing a, a spike in the GDP growth coming as we go through this recovery? Are we near the top of that cycle? Or is this something that we can expect to see going forward? Probably my estimation would be that you know we're going to get, be going back to more normal numbers. If we look at the actual numbers today, we're looking at a GDP growth of north of 3% in the US and you know 4.6% in Canada. By most historic standards, that's not sustainable for a very long term. If we accept or if we uh, expect, let's say, that we're going into this stagflationary environment, what strategies can we use from an investment perspective? The bottom line is, this is a very difficult uh, arena, a very difficult environment to be an investor in. If you're an equity investor, it's okay now. The, inve uh, the equity markets have done phenomenally well coming out of the pandemic. The question is, if we are seeing a, slow a slowing or if we do see a slowing in the GDP with, you know, coupled with the high unemployment and with the high inflation, what effect is that gonna have on our equity portfolios? Certainly, in my opinion, there is a fair bit of downside risk uh, from that perspective. And certainly if we, if we do see that slowing, uh, without question, in my mind, we are going to see a hit to the equity markets as well. Fixed income. Normally when the equity markets aren't doing well, where do you go? You, you know, throw your money into the fixed income side of things uh, as a counterbalance. The challenge there is if we're having uh, an inflationary environment, which we're seeing, the next major move would be for the central banks around the world to raise interest rates. That's a very typical tool that you would use to start slowing the economy, which is usually working in conjunction with a um, with a, you know with inflation going up. If that happens, generally speaking, that's not good for bonds. For most bonds, rising interest rates hurts the value of your bonds. An exception to this would be bonds that are inflation protected. There's a category of bonds called TIPS, which is Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. I always have trouble saying that. And those are adjusted in inflationary times. So that might be a place that we can hide. But generally speaking, the sort of traditional equity bond mix is not going to work the way you would hope it would work. One area of refuge could be real estate. Typically in an, in an inflationary environment, real estate can do well. Uh, you know, as the price of housing goes up, uh, if you're if you are a, a, an owner, rents typically would go up in a time like this. However, the caveat here is if we do swing into a recession, that's not a good time to be in real estate. So it's kind of a, a razor's edge there, but it is one of the possible places to, uh, to hide out. As an investor, the strategies that we can employ today kind of fall back into what we normally should be doing as an investor. Pick good, solid blue chip companies. And I would say especially important in these times that have a global reach. You want companies that do business in areas outside of North America. Although if you know the world can have simultaneous recessions or uh, stagflationary times, but if we're looking predominantly here, if you're an investor in North America, um, maybe you look at expanding the global reach that way. So we may, you may have an opportunity for some of these companies to still generate good revenues in countries that aren't going through inflation or uh, uh, stagflation times. Have a good solid financial plan. I, I advocate for what's called an investment policy statement. These are This is something that you would create at the beginning of your investment journey and then you would prepare for times like this so they don't come as a shock. The bottom line is that you don't want to wing it through here. You don't want to watch the news come out and then react. You want to position your portfolio and be prepared. 
Uh, as always, if you are prepared properly and we do get negative numbers and negative headlines coming out, have yourself in place. You don't have to sell unnecessarily. If you want to trim anything, trim it now. Don't do it after the fact because we could see, you know, when we do see a sharp uh, drop, it's not if, it's when. Uh, and if this is one of the sort of the indicators that that's coming up there, then that's something you're going to want to look at. You will hear a lot of strategies nowadays talking about hedging against inflation. You know, even inflation itself, you want to hedge against. Uh, now you combine it with everything else, you're going to hear a lot of talk about, you know, buying gold, buying precious metals. Uh, you know, you're hearing a lot more times now is is um, cryptocurrency the new hedge that we used to, you know, we, we attached to gold for so long. If that's a route you want to take, be very careful. Don't go all in. Have an element of your portfolio for sure if you feel that you really strongly want to hedge uh, to a higher degree, but be very careful. Uh, you know, don't be a zealot and, and go all in because, uh, well, you're just putting too many eggs in one basket. You're risking... Um, uh, a catastrophic event in that case. A way to play that if you are going the precious metals route is rather than buying just gold, for example, look for a commodity ETF. I know there are quite a few ETFs that, that spread the commodity type around. There are a handful in Canada. I know there are some American ones that have quite a diverse uh, level of holdings that you can have there so that you're not putting all your chips on silver or on gold or on Bitcoin, for example. So as always, prudence suggests that having diversification is uh, a good thing to do, even in an environment like this. The bottom line of this is stagflation is a bad thing. When it occurs, there are very few places to hide. Normally, we can switch you know, from one channel or one lane to another. Uh, pretty much every angle or every avenue is shut down when we have these, uh, these times, when they come upon us. Second to that is for the governments of the world, for the central banks of the world, a stagflation is a very compromising, a very challenging puzzle for them to solve. The normal tools, as I mentioned earlier, that they would use, just you can't use them. So that's, uh, you know, be prepared for sort of a longer environment as things work themselves out without those strong intervention tools that you typically see the central banks of the world employ. Last thing is, as always, just um, don't panic. Have yourself prepared, have yourself positioned. When this does happen, understand what's happening, do a little bit of research on it, and then um, just you know ride the course if you're positioned to do that in the first place. Question I have for you, is stagflation something you have heard of before? As I mentioned at the outset, a lot of people have never heard of the term. It is an important term, even though we don't see it very often. In fact, there's decades that go through or go by without us having it. Is that something you had heard from before? Have you learned something new today? If it is new or if you are aware of it, is it something that concerns you? Uh, my radar right now, I'm not overly concerned. I think it's something that we need to start paying attention to. Just like probably six months ago, people started talking about inflation and it's picking up steam now. Now that it's here, more people are talking about it and reacting to it. If the potential for a stagflationary environment is on, uh, you know, on the horizon, don't wait until then and react to it. Educate yourself now, learn about it, and then you will be prepared to, to uh, ride the storm out or make adjustments as necessary when that comes. As always, if you um, are a beginner investor, or actually even if you're an advanced investor and you need to fine tune your investing, things like, you know, I mentioned in the video, I talked about gross domestic product and I looked at, I talked a little bit about money supply. If these are things that you want to learn more about and you're not up to speed on right now, do check the first link below. It is for our investing academy and we have training for all 
levels of investors from raw beginners to quite advanced who just want to take their investing game to the next level. If you did enjoy the video, a thumbs up or a comment would certainly be appreciated. And I, I had a lot of fun putting this together and I think it's bringing some information to a lot of people who aren't aware of things. That's always what we're trying to do here on the channel. Uh, I'll wrap this video up and I do look forward to seeing you in the next video.